Welcome to Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Folks, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is your day going? How is your how has your day started? You know what? It's gonna be whatever you make it to be. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but some cliches are real. Some cliches are right. And this cliche is exactly that hermanos y hermanas how is everybody doing good morning to the control room howard reynolds and jack van beber how are my folks doing out there well it's sunny good morning to you hope everything is well did you survive the storm last night i survived the storm and i don't think in my area we got those hundred mile an hour straight winds but i heard that there was a gust at uh, the intercontinental airport where they actually got a hundred miles an hour. I mean, we are seeing things that I don't know we've seen many times before, Howard. I think people are going to start realizing that this climate thing, something about this climate thing just may be real. Yeah, but the deal is, is when we turn into post-toasties, we're not going to be able to talk because we'll be fried. Oh, my God. You know, it, it's so bad. You have to kind of give it some levity here, man. Anyway, we got to <laughs> give it some levity. What can I say? But as Dr. Jacques Van Beber, what's the what's the word of the morning, sir? OK, I got a, I got a little affirmation here sent to me by my friends in recovery. Uh, and it says. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does love how does the love of God abide in him? You know, this is this is from recovery. That's from the Bible, too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh John the Apostle wrote it. You know, but that 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 rings true today, you know, with the way we we keep people from having things. That's that's you, where I'm at. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I, I you guys, everybody who listens to my show know that I'm a humanist, but I am not anti-religious. I'm anti-religiosity, two different things. And the, the thing about it is the good book has a lot of stuff that just breaks down is treat everybody else you come in contact with the way you would like to be treated we and care about folks the way you would like others to care about you and you know what if you can attempt to live your life that way if you can attempt to live your life that way things turns out turn out a lot better and you know thank you for that those those words uh, senor van beber i think it is something that we should all start our day with. We can all try. The next time you're about to shout at somebody, think about if you'd want somebody shouting at you. The next time you're going to give somebody the finger, think about whether you'd like to do that or would like that done to you. Anyhow, anyhow, title of the show today, because of much of what happened yesterday, a new Supreme Court. Ah, Alita's Corrupt 2. Big Pharma is suing Biden yesterday. You know, I wonder why a lot of this stuff, people don't take it 
not people, I'm talking about the, the mainstream news media, why don't they make a bigger story of these particular issues given the extent that uh, the success of these legal criminals, I call the drug uh, executives and who sue, they, they create third parties to do the suing many times. Uh, I call them legal criminals. In other words, we've legalized criminality, right? And then the billionaire sub, the billionaire submersible. Senator Ed Markey sub, submits a bill to revamp the Supreme Court of the United States. And that entail, well, we're going to talk about that a little later. Uh, Justice Alitos was exposed. It turns out that this guy who stayed quiet, this guy who had, uh, who sneered at Obama when Obama implied certain things about uh, the Supreme Court, this guy is a guy who took a $100,000 trip on an airplane to go to a a resort in Alaska where another little plane took you to a river where you could watch the bears check, eat their salmon on the salmon run with their bare hands and mouth. Wow. Or paws and mouth. And had $1,000 bottle wines and then had over 10 cases, sat in on 10 cases. Wow. And you know, there's no, when ProPublica reported this, he got pissed. And he got so pissed that he's, that ProPublica gave him the option, right? I, I want to show you the kind of folks we're talking about here. ProPublica gave this guy the option to, to, to make his comment about the story. And his comment was before the ProPublica thing dropped, to go and write a Wall Street editorial, Wall Street piece, attacking the piece before it came out. That's our Supreme Court. We, we don't have any longer a Supreme Court that really just sits down and do what Supreme Courts are supposed to do. But what can I say? And what about this stuff about the billionaires? I want to start there. I really want to start there. And the reason I want to start is this. When I talk about the importance of every person, the value of every human being, right? I feel for those in the submersible right now. I hope they're okay. I hope that submersible is floating somewhere in the ocean. I hope somewhere in the Atlantic it's floating and just waiting to be open. Unfortunately, it was designed poorly. Because, again, those inside have no way, absolutely no way to get out of that thing without external help, without unbolting it from the outside. So once you're sealed in there, you're sealed. If something happens, you're in trouble. But we knew all of that before it went under. We also knew that it was a commercial enterprise, a private company that decided that it could make some money by driving people down to the Titanic in this submersible and charging them $250,000 for the honor of seeing the Titanic. And you know, who the hell can afford $250,000 again? So this was a rich person's enterprise, right? This was a wealthy person enterprise. 
And what do we know about the wealthy, right? And again, this is not to disparage what has happened. I wish no ill, ill, ill will on anyone, any bad things happening to anyone. But when things like this occur, it gives us a, a, an, an inkling in, what, in, in how our society runs and what our society values and what we allow our society to value. Because I want you to ponder this. Before that thing went missing, or in the same, same time, hundreds of Pakistanis died in the Mediterranean. These were refugees. These were people in a boat trying to escape misery and, and go to someplace else. And the ship capsized, and 300 people died more lost at sea in the middle of the Mediterranean. These people are floaters in the ocean, likely to be had by sharks and other things, whatever we have in there. And it's a blip on the screen. A bad thing has happened in the Mediterranean, and uh, there are people in the sea. This boat had several hundred people on it. 300 are dead, and more are dying as people that haven't been recovered in the sea, but that we know they're in the top of the sea somewhere, right? That's one story. The other story is a rich billionaire. Well, a billionaire, is, that's an oxymoron. A billionaire is now locked in a submersible that he voluntarily chose to go visit the Titanic on a vacation, a few hour vacation to see something the vast majority of humanity will not be able to see. It's a nice, cute thing and you can afford it. A private company told this guy, sign away your life. In other words, let it be known that you could go down there and die. Let it be known that you, uh, that you could come back up injured. Let it be known that we're going to take you on this, this adventure, this pleasure trip. And if something happens to you, this private company says, if something happens to you, we are not responsible. You can't sue us anything because you could die on this trip, okay? And you said, I, no problem. I'll go down there. Now, you're lost. We, you cannot be found. Something did happen. Now, something did happen. And by the way, there were a lot of mishaps that happened before that we never knew with this particular thing. This stuff was unregulated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of things happen. And then it's, it cannot be found. And the rest of the world goes into a panic and they send millions of dollars of equipment and, mil and hundreds of people see 130s flying, searching to see if that, that one submersible shows up. Millions of dollars used to find this one or these five people. Look, I, like I said, yesterday I brought this up on my three o'clock show. And two of, my, uh, two, two of the people listening said, it's not the time to talk about that. And I responded that our attention span is so many times so short that if, if we don't bring these systemic problems up during the instantiation of this systemic problem, when these things are actually occurring, 
we forget about it. We just forget about it and not see that we have to make these changes early on in the way we do things. So here we have the C-130s and several planes in the sky from Canada, France, the United States of America. Boats are there. They've shipped heavy equipment onto Newfoundland so that they can get it out to sea to find these folks. And, you know, it, it is like, yeah, they, we have to find these people. But where is that interest in those refugees in the middle of the Mediterranean? Where is that assistance? Where is putting that kind of money into the rest of humanity? Where is it? Is that asking too much that we care about our fellow man who, you know, who, again, this rich person did it by choice. This rich person said, hey, I want an adventure. These Pakistanis and many folks coming also off of Libya and all these, they're coming, for them, moving from where they're at is existential. It is their life. I bring this story up because I think we need to get our priorities right. Yesterday, I did a little TikTok on it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just play the TikTok that I did yesterday that I hope got some sort of coverage because, again, I was upset when I saw the amount of resources used for that one entity. This is what I went out and, you know, I just made a little TikTok video. Check it out. Uh, Millions of dollars and hundreds of people are searching for a billionaire who paid north of $250,000 the Ocean Gate, a private company operating an experimental submersible for profit. My humanity demands that I wish that these people are found safely. But I also wish the effort governments, we the people who invest in the rich and multimillionaire and billionaires who try their best not to pay taxes that justify searches like this, I wish we would put the same zeal to solve the pain and suffering of others. Imagine if we considered the plight of the poor. Imagine if we considered the plight of the unhoused. Imagine if we considered the plight of the hungry with the same zest, with the same compassion. We must do better. Check out more like this at Politics Done. Yes, we must do better. You know, um, again, these are the same people who want to drop your, I mean, who want to cut their taxes, who don't want to participate in the commons, who don't see the reality that government is there for exactly these reasons. Now, let me just say this, right? I don't want the government to not do what it's doing for this, this submersible. I want my government, the governments of the world, doing exactly what it is doing for those people who are lost, those, four, five, those five people in that submersible. But I want our government collectively also helping those Pakistanis who are drowning in the Mediterranean. I want them to help those refugees who are escaping from lands that many a times we are partially responsible for the, the, the misery 
that they are living through. That's for another day, though, another subject as to why a lot of the migration uh, that's occurring today is because of policies executed by the West. Lot, you know, it's not a, it's not, it's not just happening in a vacuum. Uh, but that's for another another day. But I wanted to start again with this subject because, again, folks, as Van Beber stated earlier uh, with the piece that he brought, which brought me into talking about the simple proverb. I don't know if it's a proverb. You know what it is that says, can we just treat others the way we would like to be treated and not make it be a function of our wealth? Our worth should not be a function of our wealth. But what the incident in the Mediterranean this week and the incident in the Atlantic with that sub this week shows is that currently our worth or wealth determines how others think about our worth. And that is something we should change. All right. Uh, before I jump to the next subject, any, any, any thoughts, Howard? Any thoughts, Van Weber? I think we're good on this side. All right. Good, good, Shoot good. Back. I got it. I got no, he's, he's, got, he's got something going on. Uh, what is it? Okay. All right. Let's move on. Let's not hijack uh, his show. All right. Any, 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 anyhow, um, second, second topic, it has to do with big pharma. And I, it, it irks me that this doesn't get more, more play. Uh, the, the title of the, 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 this particular, the title of this particular piece that, you know, that I drug out of common dreams last night was no surprise. Big Pharma sues Biden over effort to lower drug prices for Americans. And if you notice, remember last week I spoke about Merck and Merck suing the government. Well, that was not enough. You know, that wasn't enough. They want to cripple. They want to cripple the ability of your government, our government. They want to cripple it before it gets started because they are scared about that that stone rolling down the hill, that little snowball rolling down the hill and becoming pretty, pretty big, right? So it's no surprise that big pharmaceuticals vote them. Here it goes. It says, aiming to protect wealthy pharmaceutical companies from any reduction in their tens of billions of dollars in annual profits or lavish CEO compensation packages, the industry's biggest lobbying group on Wednesday announced a lawsuit against the Biden administration over its policy allowing Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices for consumers. Part of the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed last year, the Medicare negotiation provision has been a key demand of progressives, including Senator Bernie Sanders for several years, as the United States pays more per person for prescribed drugs than, they, than any other country. And nearly a third of Americans said in one survey last year that they have avoided taking medications due to costs. So if folks are taking medication, lack, not taking their medication due to costs, 
that means that a certain percentage of those folks will get sicker and yet another percentage of those will die. So therefore, I think there's a direct correlation between the pharmaceutical companies and unnecessary illness and unnecessary debts. Before I proceed with the article, ask yourself a question. They are suing the United States government for wanting to negotiate prices for drugs. Maybe it is time for us to have a class action lawsuit against the drug industry, against pharmaceutical companies under the premise that they are affecting the illnesses and murder of our citizens by their policies. You know, I am in several organizations, other organizations, and, you know, every so often these organizations get sued, right? Uh, these are these benevolent organizations, these nonprofit people have disagreements and they decide to sue each other or whatever. And I always say for the one who knows that they are in the right, you know, it is time to be aggressive and aggressive means immediately, immediately counter suing when you have things like this. I think we could create good grounds for suing a company who, who, is, who has developed products based on money you, the taxpayer, has paid to universities and, and the NIH and other departments uh, to develop these drugs. And after these drugs are developed, these companies try to charge you again exorbitant amounts, exorbitant amounts, to use these drugs, and because we, the people who've already paid for these drugs, can't afford it, we get sick, some of us die. I think it is time for us to sue those companies civilly and criminally. I mean, if we know death could occur, that could also, we could probably find a good lawyer who could say that is premeditated murder. Wishful thinking on my part, but you know what? Aggressive thinking, it's what we are going to need if we are going to bring some benevolency back into this society. But we can take that another time. Although, back to the article, although a Congressional Budget Office analysis found last year that allowing Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices would save the U.S. nearly $290 billion in new revenue and savings over a decade, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America on Wednesday became the latest pro-industry group to sue over the provision, arguing the law is unconstitutional. Wow. Wow. It's unconstitutional. I want people to understand what this is saying here. They are saying it is unconstitutional for our government. We the people, it's unconstitutional. They're claiming to negotiate for better prices for all of us who are paying the bill for these drugs, but not only that are paying the bill that wants to pay the bill to get these drugs, but also paid the bill to develop these drugs. They're suing us. I mean, you know, I know a lot of you have heard the frog story. The frog story is that if you put a frog in water and you start 
put some heat into that water because, and you gradually heat that water. As that water is heated, because the, the change in temperature over time is so small, by the time that water starts to boil, that frog is so used to it that it dies being boiled because, again, the delta change was so little that it was imperceptible. Is that a true story or is that truly how it works? I don't, I, you know, from, you know, I, I, look, when I get into the shower and as I progressively get the water, uh, eventually it reaches a point that you want to. But again, you, you, you get the gist. The gist is that these guys have been doing wrong, delta wrongs for so long. In other words, I get a little bit worse every year. We, we, we take, we push it to the limit every time a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So much so that when we are at a maximal level of evil, like these drug companies are right now, when you reach that maximal level of evil, to you it doesn't even seem all that evil. That you are suing a government trying to make drugs affordable to people so that they don't die. Ultimately, that's what it is. So that they don't die, they're selling, they're, they're putting these products out. They're trying to negotiate the price of these products in which, of which these guys are saying, no, it is unconstitutional. And you mean, we didn't make, this didn't make big news yesterday or the day before, etc. on our news channels? It didn't make... It didn't make that. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, but anyhow, anyhow, here's the deal. Continuing with the article, because just reading it is frustrating. But Forma argued in a court filing in the Western District of Texas. And notice where they wanted to file that case, right? in the Western District of Texas, that the provision violates the constitutional requirement for checks and balances by placing too much authority in the hands of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the due process clause by denying drug companies input regarding pricing, and the Eighth Amendment ban on excessive fines due to the excise tax big pharma companies will be required to pay if they refuse to negotiate. All right, so the Biden administration is saying negotiate for the prices, and if you don't negotiate for these prices, there will be an excise tax, right? And why an excise tax? Well, of course there's an excise tax. I mean, uh, you, you know, we, we paid for these drugs. We paid to develop these drugs. So, you know, you don't negotiate, you know, again, we have the right to tax. So they're saying no, 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 no. You have, we don't, we want, we want the drug companies. We want, while you're negotiating prices, we want to have input in what those pricing conditions are going to be. Okay, really? I mean, the, 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 the idea, the idea that they are serious about this makes one wonder Again, like I said, uh, the frog metaphor. Uh, <laughs> Holy City says you completely destroyed the boiling a frog metaphor. I don't, I, I don't know that I did 
maybe my words didn't come out as clean as they should, but the idea is a delta temperature is what makes the frog boil. I mean, uh, it's staying there to the boiling point, my friend. So I think that is accurate. All right. The Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden said it was no surprise that pharmaceutical companies want to stop the Medicare from saving millions of senior citizens out-of-pocket costs and warn that they'll likely be successful if a Republican candidate wins the presidency in 2024. I expect the Biden administration to vigorously defend Medicare's bargaining power so seniors will see the lower drug prices they expect, said Wyden. This legal action underscores how critical it is to have a president in the White House who will fight for lower uh, health costs for Americans. I have deep concerns that a Republican administration would roll out the red carpet for big pharma and once again ban Medicare from negotiating lower drug prices. Lower drug prices. Uh, Pharma was joined by the National Infusion Center Association and the Global Colon Cancer Association in Legal Challenge, which follows a lawsuit filed by drug maker Merck, right? Uh, Earlier this month, which is the one that we spoke about a few weeks ago or a week ago, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and Bristol Myers Squibb have also sued over the provision this month with the latter claiming, as Pharma did Wednesday, that the law is bad for innovation. All right. The law is bad for innovation. I'm glad that they said that. Now the lawyers for the government can really go into where innovation actually comes from when they say it's bad for innovation what they're saying brothers and sisters is the following if we are not allowed to charge you exorbitant prices for the drugs that we sell we will not have innovation because we need all those profits to innovate i it it amused me also that a part of that consortium suing the government is the global colon cancer association because anybody who watches tv anybody who watches tv every single day whether it be uh the the broadcast or cable news etc you know there's this new colon drug i mean this new colon test on the market you can go ahead and without a colonoscopy now you can actually determine if you have uh, colon cancer by simply doing this in-home test, right? And every other, every half hour or so, this I'm not going to name the drug, on, I'm not going to name the test or anything here, but every, every few minutes in between the breaks, you hear this colon advertising come on. Where the hell is all that money to keep advertising a test? If you go to your doctor, your doctor should tell you, hey, you need this test, you need that test. You don't need for our the monies that we are going to pay for these tests and these drugs to be advertised on TV ad nauseum. We don't need to have these advertising over and over again because that is money that's you're paying for. 
Every single ad that you see on TV for medicine, every single ad on TV that you see for a test, when you hear them say, go uh, ask your doctor about this test, ask your doctor about this medication, those, those ads cost tens of thousands of dollars to put on on ABC, CBS, MSNBC, and all of that. Every time they air, thousands of dollars to air that ad. And to pay for that ad, the expectation is more people are going to use that thing and that they're going to charge you that amount of m- more money for the medicine, et cetera, as opposed to just letting the doctor know about the medicine and saying the doctor makes the best option for that. But now they want to use it as, a, as an excuse. Oh, my God, it is going to it is going to somehow charge you. It, 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 it is going to stop innovation if we do that, if we come and try to do that. So I want all of you to realize it's a sham. It is a complete sham. This drug issue, this drug suit that's going on right now, that they are going to sue you or that they're going to, sue, yeah, they're suing you. They're suing the government. We, the people, are getting sued by big pharma because they want to be able to exploit you. And when they talk about innovation, they need to make all this money so they can create newer drugs. They don't innovate. I repeat, I'm going to throw this back in a minute, but they don't innovate. The innovation comes, the genesis of innovation, the start of innovation in the, in the pharmaceutical field starts at your university and from grants that the NIH, the government institution, give to companies. And the reason why is companies do not take risks. Companies do not take risks. So please, my brothers and my sisters, this is a big story, bigger than the media is talking about. And the media doesn't want to talk about it because they love those Merck commercials. They love those colon colonoscopy commercials, etc., etc., that you are paying for with those high prices. They spend more money. They spend more money on advertising, executive pay, and uh, and shareholder dividends and value than they do on research and development. So that is a lie right within there. And I hope the Biden administration actually calls them out on that with the proof that's out there for all of us to see that these drug companies spend their money on ads, spend their money on giving high, high, high salaries to executives, and spend their money on giving high returns to investors. Please. Please, this is a huge story. Howard. Yes, sir. I want to go back to a point you were talking about the advertising. Have you been to a doctor's office lately? Unbelievable. How many drug companies are advertising in the doctor's lobby? I mean, notepads they hand out has this drug company on it and all kinds of little um, advertisements in there in the, in the, in the doctor's office. And every one of those ads on TV will tell you they list off at least 30 seconds of uh, side effects of this drug and mentioning death twice. So <laughs> it's like, I don't know about these drugs, man. I don't know. The pharmaceutical companies, they're completely out of control. Now, what's going to control them? I mean, how do, how do we do this? The Federal Trade Commission? That's who really, you know, advertise, who controls advertising and stuff. And uh, are they going to step up and say, uh, wait a minute here. This is this is out of control. 
you have to do something about this. So anyway, I think Jack has something to add too. Come on He's in, Jack. It's notepad. Yeah, Egberto, you know, the common thread that's running through this with the uh, with the loss of Marshall versus the uh, the refugees in the Mediterranean and the big pharma uh, wanting to sue Biden over uh, wanting to save uh, people money on their prescription drugs is the profit motive. Yes. And and, you know, the other question I ask, you know, with my little readings, you know, I'm I'm close to recovery. And I my question is, are they setting the people up with addictions to profit from their treatment later on? Yes. Go ahead. Let me answer the question that you asked. The answer is yes. If you take a look at those companies who have settled lawsuits with the uh uh, the 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 uh, former the, what is it the, the opioids etc. One of the lawsuits were in fact settled because it could be proven that these guys knew the drug was addictive and that is a good thing for them. An addicted drug means it will always be in demand. Continue, my brother Van Bibber. Yeah, you know, there's you know, addictions run in different ways. You know, uh, the first addiction we get as children is sugar. You know, and, you know, sugar has is cancer suspect, you know, uh, pancreatic cancer and, you know, all the all the sugars and the uh, high fructose corn syrup in the foods. You know, I mean, I just I just recently gave a lot of that up and my health has changed dramatically. Uh, You know, the caffeine, the caffeine drinks out there. You know, we're not even seeing the problems that are that are going to arise from that. You know, caffeine is very bad for the body. Yes, sir. You have, you know, 40, 50 milligrams in a Coke now of caffeine. I, you know, I I, I get you. I I get you. We, we, We have all these things that are occurring right now that we have to be cognizant of, Jack. Um. Anyway, uh, it seems like we have a yeah. There we go. Uh, anyhow, um, any anything else you really want to say, Howard? That um, on this subject before I really uh, button it up. Uh, basically, that's about it. If you've been to a doctor's office lately, you'll see all kinds of drug advertisements and ask your doctor about this drug. Yes, oh, you're at the doctor's office. I mean, what what in the world is this? It, it it is crazy, but what what the thing about? Let me tell you what drives me the the craziest, um, Howard, is how many of my good friends, mostly on the conservative side, find some way to justify an industry that is ripping not only me off, you off, and everybody else's, but they themselves are getting ripped off by an industry because they decide to buy the propaganda from this industry that the reason why prices are high is because they need to innovate. And like I said, and I say this categorically, I had this discussion on a, 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 a man at Daily Coast whose wife has cancer, and I I, I make sure to be delicate with him because he was like, well, my wife is doing well now with the cancer drug and it's because we have the innovation that it occurs. And it's like, my friend, the cancer drug was developed at a university and your wife and you are paying a lot more than you need to. Let's not be nice about with these companies that are really causing you harm with a smile, causing you harm with a smile. They don't innovate. We innovate. We, the people, innovate. Johnny, come on in, my brother. Johnny, you're hot. 
Yeah, I'm hot, all right. Hot, cold, <laughs> and everything else. Another diagonal, another diagonal day in America. <laughs> Until I become horizontal. Here's another Let me hear, interesting element of the conversation, and I was waiting for you to bring it up, and that is how these big corporations that advertise on TV, radio, magazines, how they overall have a tremendous, deep disrespect for the American consumer. I'll give you two examples. That talking box cartoon on TV for that colon test you're talking about. Uh, that's disrespectful. It's simplistic. And what also irritates me is that Jiffy Loop type of company that advertises for the quick oil changes, where the guy, he's sitting in his uh, sports car and he's about to sip his hot coffee. And the guy says, okay, your oil change is done. And he says, oh, I didn't even have time to drink my coffee. And what does he do? He burns himself with third degree burns on his face, drinking, not drinking the coffee, but pouring it on his face as he drives away screaming. This makes people the consumer look like a bunch of a-holes. You know something, Johnny? Johnny, I never, you know, it's interesting that you brought up a thing that I never thought about uh, because it's it's true. It, it they What they always do is they, and, and you, you, you find it in a lot of commercials, you're right. I, I don't know if they're looking for the laugh factor or not, but they do make the American person look silly, right? Yeah, and that goes and that goes to dovetail with the comment made by uh, your engineer guy Howard. Uh, I was waiting for him to say it, and I'll so I'll say it for him. The FTC and the FDA they can't do their job now. Why? Because Republicans have taken the money away, have defunded them, just like they've done to the IRS. How can the IRS collect taxes uh, from the ultra wealthy if they've been defunded? How can the FDA do its job in, uh, in, in regulating for the public safety and welfare if they've been defunded? So the pharmaceuticals love this atmosphere of no regulation so they can advertise and make us look stupid. You know, I, 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 I'll be honest. I, I have such disdain for a lot of these ads that I didn't even get the, I didn't even think about the critique as far as how they actually make the person feel. Good observation, Johnny. Anything else that you want to say before I go to the next subject, Johnny? Still have two more to cover before the show. Yeah, never take a medical advice from a talking cardboard box. It's totally moronic. Thank you, my brother. That. Folks, that is the one and only Johnny. And you know what I just realized, Howard? I didn't give the number at all this morning. 713-526-5738. Again, that telephone number is 713-526-5738. got us on speed dial. You know, yes, <laughs> Johnny, we're, we're like position number one on this phone. KPMG. And you know you, what? I could not be more proud to have Brother Johnny as saying, hey, we got the speed dial to give up and to go call KPFT. Anyway, folks, uh, the, the, the next subject that I really want to touch on is Alito. Let me play this real. Uh, well, you know what? Let me let me. We're at 43. Go to the newsletter for Alito, uh, politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. I, I rather do the um, Senator Markey and what they're going to do, what they're working on with the Supreme Court. It's important. Alito, we know he's a crooked, corrupt 
judge already, not only for the, the not only for the results of his cases, but uh, for for going out with the billionaires and then having their cases brought to the Supreme Court. Let's go ahead and talk about what we are talking about doing to solve the problem. We're not, we're not going to get it done this year, but it's out there so that the critiques can start early on so that when, uh, when Democrats get back into power in 2024, uh, they can immediately start working on this, kill the filibuster and work on this particular issue. Let's go ahead and uh, play that one. Ahora mismo lo voy a... What do we do about the Supreme Court, though? Well, you know, Ed Markey has a solution. Ed Markey has a solution for the Supreme Court. And here is what he intends to do. We have to get the vote. We have to give these guys the ability to do so. Check it out. He feared what the country's reaction would be to the Republican judges on the Supreme Court revoking a constitutional right, revoking women's right to control their own bodies. And of course, there was no need for those barricades. There was no violence. There was no uh, demonstration that needed to be controlled in some heavy law enforcement way. It was, that was a decision that the Republican-controlled Supreme Court was only able to make after the most political court packing schemes we have ever seen. Republicans would not even give a confirmation hearing to President Barack Obama's last choice for the Supreme Court, saying that a year just wasn't enough time to confirm a Supreme Court justice. And then Republicans rushed through the last of the three Trump appointments to the Supreme Court in the last three months of the Trump presidency. This Republican court packing has given us partisan justices eager to toss aside decades of precedent to satisfy their deep-pocketed right-wing special interest benefactors. In the years since the Republicans hijacked the court, the American people have suffered at the hands of its illegitimate conservative supermajority. Massachusetts Democratic Senator Ed Markey has introduced legislation to expand the Supreme Court by adding four seats to create a 13-member Supreme Court, one for each of the country's courts of appeals. Joining us now is Democratic Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts. Senator, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, what is your case for expanding the court? Uh, it's a pretty clear case. Um, in 2016, the Republicans allowed the seat of Justice Scalia to remain vacant for 422 days, uh, denying Barack Obama his ability to have Merrick Garland confirmed, saying that it was a sacred principle that uh, justices should not be confirmed during election years. Then in 2020, just before the election, um, with um, uh, Justice Ginsburg passing away, all of a sudden there was no principle. And within 10 days before the election of 2020, uh, they confirmed Amy Coney Barrett. So they stole two justices. They've created uh, an absolute illegitimate far right-wing Supreme Court uh, that is poised to overturn right 
principles uh, that have been enshrined in law for generations. Uh, and this is a clear and present danger to our country because this is the hand-picked court of uh, the heritage uh, and other groups uh, that have sought to have this control that will go back 50, 60, and more years uh, in order to take off the books protections that Americans have taken for granted. So your legislation uh, calls for 13 Supreme Court justices, which is a numeric match with the number of circuit courts of appeals we have in the country. We have 13 of those. When you go back to 1869, when they created the nine, legislatively created the nine we have now, that matched the nine circuit courts of appeals that we had then. So you're just updating exactly what they did in 1869. Yeah, we update what they did in 1869, uh, and uh, and we create the 13 uh, seats, uh, but we also um, reclaim the two stolen seats uh, that McConnell in 2016 and, and Trump in 2020 stole, and then we add two more uh, so that we have appointments that Biden and uh, that uh, President Obama should have been able to make uh, created uh, so that the number goes to 13, which is the number that it should be right now. And that, that number nine has been with all of us all of our lives, obviously, since it's been there since 1869. And when a, when the number hangs around that long, I think it gets so set in people's minds that they think it's in the Constitution and can't be changed. There's something sacred about it. Um, the population of the United States uh, in 1869 was 38 million people, less than the number of people who live in the state of California now. Uh, we only had 37 states back then. The, the size of the population, the level of complexity in law, all of this has expanded so greatly while the Supreme Court has not expanded at all. Exactly. Originally, there were only six Supreme Court justices. Uh, under Abraham Lincoln, there were 10 Supreme Court justices. As you said earlier, they reduced it down to nine in 1869. So this is a decision made by the United States Congress as to what the appropriate number should be. And given uh, the threat uh, to the rights of the American people uh, from this Supreme Court, uh, it is absolutely imperative uh, that we change that number and we make it possible for us to not wait uh, a lifetime uh, in order to uh, reclaim these rights. Uh, yes, these justices are there for lifetime appointments, but it shouldn't take us a lifetime in order to correct this historic oversight. No, it should not take a lifetime to change these Supreme Court uh, justices at all. It shouldn't take a lifetime. And again, like he said, two of them were stolen. Merrick Garland was stolen. And uh, after, of course, uh, uh, Bader Ginsburg died, they immediately, right before the election, went ahead and put a judge up. This needs to be mitigated for that. But also, I, I tell you what, I think it is ludicrous for nine people to hold the country in its hands. People always talk about uh, the, the three equal branches of government. I'm sorry. Nine people deciding whether a, a law is constitutional or not is not enough. I think every state, I think every state should have 
the uh, a, 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 a Supreme Court justice based on its population. I think they should have Supreme Court justices based on their population. And you know what? Appointed by their governors. But I mean, that's not what this, the Constitution says. We still could, however, have 50 of them. And it's controlled by the president as it is written in the Constitution. I would not mind having 50 Supreme Court justices. It's very important. Anyhow, I, I want to tie the Supreme Court uh, justices and, 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 and how they rule with the drug issues and, and even deeper with progressive values that most Americans, I repeat, most Americans say that the things that progressives stand for, every poll indicates that is what America wants. But here's the kicker. We talk about the three branches of government being co-equal. That, is, that has never been true. And let me give an example. And let me give you an example why Republicans are, were so keen, why they definitely wanted to get judges in. They definitely wanted to control the Supreme Court because the only undemocratic branch, completely undemocratic branch of our government is, in fact, the Supreme Court. And here's the kicker. Here's what I'd like everybody to understand. We can go ahead and elect a whole bunch of great progressives in the Senate and the House and the presidency, and they can pass good laws, good laws on health care, good laws on retirement, good laws on, on, on kid, taking care of your kids, good laws on, uh, on forcing corporations to give a living wage. We can do all of that. And then these nine justices as it stands today. They can go and say, that is unconstitutional. So the vast majority of the government, you, we the people, say, this is what we want. And nine people, actually five people out of the nine, can say, nah, that's not constitutional. We are going to just deem that not constitutional. And suddenly, the law is dead. That is the reason why we have to vote for our Congress, our Senate, and the presidency, and then assured, be assured that they will kill the filibuster so that we can also assign appropriate judges into the non-democratic portion of the triad, meaning of the three branches of government. We have to democratize that branch of government because no matter what occurs, they still have the right, the way the Constitution is written. And I think it was written that way to always ensure that the powerful can stay powerful, that we can have a less egalitarian system. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand these concepts because in understanding these concepts, we can we can do it. Uh, uh, Lee, Eric Hayes, by the way, welcome Eric Hayes and Holy City 2012 to our chat. Uh, assignment is democratic when those who are assigning were elected democratically to assign. Okay? So we are going to elect a president democratically so that he can fix the, the 
undemocratic portion of the Constitution in assigning a justice based on what people say that they want. We got two minutes here left for the program. Uh, we didn't get a lot of calls today because I guess we had a lot to say today. But anyhow, let me, uh, before we close down here, ask uh, Howard to make a little short comment before I get out of here. Oh, Egberto, I'm okay. Uh, once again, people, you got to register yourself to vote. You got to get out and vote. That's my message to the masses this morning. As it is every morning, get out and vote. Vote them out. Vote them in. Take control of your government because it is your government. Take control of it. Take it away from the corporations. Vote these people out. Vote the good people in. And Jack, go ahead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's still early. Everybody get your documents together and get registered. You know, don't let it come up to the last minute and you can't get registered to vote because this is going to be a very important year, you know, in history. Absolutely. Absolutely. As, as uh, Jack says, it's going to be a very important year in history. And as Howard says, Howard on that soapbox, I mean, repetition works. And we need to hear that over and over and over again. This is our country. You control our country. You vote in our country. My name is Egberto Willis. I want to thank Howard uh, Reynolds and Jack Van Beber every morning in that control room, making sure that we get this message out to you. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.